I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. Last month, Governor Gavin Newsom made an ambitious announcement from the state's oldest correctional facility. San Quentin State Prison will be transformed from a maximum security prison into a rehabilitation and education facility focused on re-entry. We have changed the name of this facility, and we will formalize that as we process the next year and a half or two or it's San Quentin Rehabilitation. In an effort to set California up to lead the nation in progressive criminal justice reform, the new San Quentin will be modeled on facilities in Norway and other Scandinavian countries. Their life inside prison more closely resembles life on the outside. Filmmaker Adamu Chan was part of a team of formerly incarcerated Californians who toured Norway's prison system with the state's Department of Corrections. Chan is skeptical of the rebranding. While serving his prison sentence, he witnessed firsthand the state's failure to keep incarcerated people safe, especially during the early months of the COVID-19 pandemic. His film documents the deadly San Quentin COVID outbreak, which infected thousands of people inside of the prison and resulted in dozens of deaths. The film is called What These Walls Won't Hold, and it premieres next week at the San Francisco Film Festival. The number of inmates at San Quentin who are now positive for COVID-19 exploded over the weekend. 1,011 inmates tested positive at San Quentin State Prison. 2,200 prisoners have been infected with the virus. 25 have died. San Quentin has now become the largest coronavirus outbreak in California. Today on Fifth Emission, filmmaker Adamu Chan joins me to talk about what it was like to direct, shoot, and produce the film both during his incarceration and after he was released a few months into the initial outbreak. What These Walls Won't Hold offers a different perspective on the prison experience and the value of human connection, especially as many Bay Area residents are thinking about how communities can achieve true public safety. Adamu Chan, welcome to Fifth Emission. Thank you. So, Adamu, the COVID-19 pandemic and the San Quentin prison are the main backdrops of your documentary. But after watching it, this wasn't really a film about the outbreak, which many of us watched unfold through news headlines during the early pandemic. Rather, to me, it seemed like a story about friendships and community. How did that lens allow you to send a bigger message about the prison system? To me, what was really important about this story was that I think that the COVID pandemic revealed a lot of things to all of us about the institutions in our society and this illusion of safety that we all had. I think there was a moment during the pandemic when it felt like like the world was going to like break apart. Mm-hmm. There was so much like social unrest and people were like starting to question all the things that were holding their lives together. And I think that for me During that time, what I experienced inside of San Quentin and through the organizing that I was a part of there was people really growing a lot of closeness and a lot of intimacy in our community through the urgency of that moment and building the world that they wanted to see through like their commitments to each other and like showing up for each other during a time when the rest of the world was experiencing a lot of isolation and separation from people that they loved. Mm -hmm. Tell me more about that. How did people show up for each other and support each other on the inside when you all are so restricted in a very specific way that other people weren't? You know, I I really witnessed the ways in which, like, people inside show up for each other on on a day-to-day basis, checking in on each other. People in our community were dying. People were getting sick. 
And, you know, these people who had kind of been set aside by society and stigmatized and called monsters were really caring for each other and, you know, checking up on each other when the prison system was not. On a larger level, like a lot of the media work that we were doing on the outside, saw it as an opportunity to, like, raise our voices and raise the urgency of what was happening inside. And so in that way, like expressing a lot of collective care about the situation that was was impacting not just people inside of San Quentin, but like all over the state in prisons and ICE detention centers and jails. Mm -hmm. And we definitely see that in the film. The film also weaves different timelines in your life. There's footage from your time inside San Quentin and to after your release. And additionally, we see you in front of the camera and behind it. How did you balance the role of being both the director and a subject of your film? (laughs) That's a really good question. I think that part of the process of making the film was really trying to figure out how that was all going to work out. I think initially when I was thinking about the film and thinking about making the film, I wanted to be very removed from it. I didn't want to center myself. And I think I wanted to do more of a journalistic piece about like what had happened and kind of highlight as many people as I could. But the more that I thought about it and what I thought would be the most unique and the most powerful and the most kind of leaning into like what I knew best was myself. Now, have you always been a storyteller or did your time in prison crystallize that purpose for you? I feel like all people are storytellers Mm -hmm. to some degree. And I think in the communities that I grew up in, storytelling was always like, you know, a huge component in the way that people like share knowledge and also connect with each other. And I think that like, for me, coming to terms with like this identity that I carried as as a currently incarcerated person or formerly incarcerated person, and within the context of that community, like systematically being silenced and kind of not heard, I think it made me like want to develop those skills. And it's good timing, your film, because... Governor Gavin Newsom recently announced some big changes at San Quentin. He calls it a historic transformation. He has plans to turn into the nation's, quote, most innovative rehabilitation facility, shifting the institution's focus on preparing people for life on the outside, things like job training and other programming. The details are still a little bit unclear. But I wonder for you, you know, as you're working on this film, promoting it, putting it out there, What were your thoughts when you heard the announcement as you're presenting this portrait of what life is like inside? I think I'm, I tend to be on the more critical side, like even within my peer group, (laughs) just some context. Like I also went to Norway last year with a group of formerly incarcerated folks and media professionals and also representatives from the Department of Corrections. And I think what I saw there was You know, a prison system that is in a lot of ways like organized better maybe is physically less oppressive in certain ways. But when I went inside of the prisons, like I I felt like the way that people were experiencing incarceration was the same. Hmm. And that even in California, there is like a wide range in different physical settings or even geographic settings where prisons exist, right? I mean, there are the fire camps, which are kind of like very low security, and then all the way up to like level four prisons, which are very highly restrictive 
and very oppressive and like a lot of isolation. You know, when I went to Norway, we were we were shown prisons that looked a lot like prisons in California, like lower level prisons. And they also have like higher security level prisons. I wasn't really sure about whether or not Norway's prison system was different. I mean, the same types of people, you know, were incarcerated there. They were mainly immigrants, non-Norwegian citizens, people who are suffering from mental health and addiction issues. And so to me, the prison functioned in the same way. It was people who were deemed non-normative and like society didn't want to deal with. And that's the same case here. I think what Norway has succeeded in is branding the prison as this non-oppressive environment. But from my experience and what I you know, know about prisons is that the violence isn't just in the architecture, the physical architecture. It's, it's like what people experience inside. It's their separation from their communities, the stigmatization, the violence that they experience by being locked in cages for, you know, years. Mm-hmm. And those things about San Quentin won't change. Mm-hmm. So I am skeptical of it. Are you suggesting that there's a need for sort of a paradigm shift in the culture as opposed to just the structural changes? Absolutely. I mean, I think that it's difficult because, you know, cultural change is really hard. And I think that the ways in which we've oriented towards public safety are that, you know, we need to remove people. And... I think part of that is like a normalization of the violence of incarceration, which to me, in my eyes, is a continuation of violence. I don't think that it actually gets at the root of like what we're actually trying to create, which is safe communities. And this expectation that we can, because a person has like been responsible for an act of violence, that we can do a greater violence to them and that there will be a good outcome for that, that it will somehow make us safer, Mm -hmm. just kind of doesn't really connect for me. What These Walls Won't Hold offers a meditation on the value of personal human connection. Filmmaker Adamu Chan will share what life's been like since he was released in 2020. That's after a quick break. We'll be right back. Did you know the number one way people discover new podcasts is word of mouth from their friends? So if you enjoy Fifth Emission, we'd love it if you tell someone about our show, even if it's just one person. Thanks for helping us make new friends. I'm back with documentary filmmaker Adamu Chan. Adamu, many of the scenes in your film, What These Walls Won't Hold, are shot outside of the gates of San Quentin as people are being released. You captured these moving reunion scenes, including one of your friends, Lonnie Morris, who leaves the prison after a sentence of more than four decades. Let's play a snippet of that moment. Adamu, it could be assumed that you wouldn't want to be anywhere near the building, but you return to the gates to greet your friends. You also, I understand, make weekly visits to San Quentin. What motivates you? These are my friends. These are people that I care really deeply about. And some of them are out here but a lot of them are still there. 
it is difficult to go back into a place where you spent many years and have a lot of bad memories and a lot of trauma. You know, my personal commitments to my own liberation and the liberation of like people in my community drives me to like overcome those those fears, I guess. People are looking to me to do things mm -hmm. and to create new pathways and to inspire them. And also like on top of that, I, it also gives me energy too, you know, mm -hmm. to stay connected. I think it always has to go back to, yeah, like my commitment to like the liberation of, of a lot of people, mm -hmm. not, just, not just myself. Mm -hmm. Throughout the film, we also hear you and others read letter correspondences that were sent to and from the prison. You highlight in particular letters that were sent between you and your best friend, Issa Borgeson, while you were inside. Let's listen to a bit of that. This was at the start of the pandemic lockdown. March 17th, 2020. Dear Issa, what is going on in the world? Out in the world, you all have been given a shelter-in-place order. Last night, about 100 of us were moved to the dorms and the institution was put on full lockdown. I wonder how you're doing and if you're safe, if my mom is safe, and whether or not by the time you get this letter, this will all be over. Adamu, what's it like maintaining connections with your friends who are still inside San Quentin? Has being on the outside changed the way you think about how your own loved ones stay connected with you? Yeah, I mean, it's hard. There there are a lot of complications and things that I think about, about having relationships across walls. I think even in my own friendships, like, I have to, like, acknowledge that once I stepped outside of that place, I stepped into a completely different position, right? I try not to, like, overextend the things that I say that I'll, I'll do for people or uh, make promises that I can't fulfill because I know how much those things like linger with people and how people like really depend on those things. I mean, I really try to pick up the phone every time someone calls me from inside, no matter what I'm doing or where I'm at. Mm -hmm. That's really important to me. But ultimately, like I'll always fall short because I'm not there. Mm -hmm. And there's certain things that I can't do. I can't unlock the doors. I can't, you know, I think it's given me a lot of perspective about like the frustrations that I had with you know, my own relationships and like expectations that I placed on people, of course, and like, you know, deepening my understanding about like how difficult it is to really like keep connection and, and keep communities together. You know this, but many Bay Area residents are talking about crime right now in cities like San Francisco and Oakland. Issues of crime and how to come up with solutions for safety are really hotly debated, really politicized. So many people think they have the answers, including things like stronger prosecutions, more policing. Do you think your film offers a perspective people should consider when they're discussing these things? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that like one thing that I would say is that the United States over the last 30 years has incarcerated more people than any other country in the world by leaps and bounds. And it hasn't made our country safer in reality, and it hasn't made people feel safer either. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that my film offers a solution to this problem, but I think it, it offers something else, a different way for people to look at this community and like people's lives and other models of like how people are actually creating safe communities. You know, art has 
like traditionally been an avenue for people in communities that don't have access to like dominant discourses to share alternative like narratives and stories. And I think that it's like really important for us to offer our lived experience and offer the things that we know, the people that we know. Mm -hmm. When I finished watching your film, I think I walked away meditating on a message that I think is really prominent in your film, which is personal connections with people are a form of resistance. And I think it made me want to just sort of lean in and really value those connections I have in my life even more than I do now. What other ways do you want viewers of your film to feel after they finish watching your film? I think that, yeah, like our relationships and our connections and like our deepening of understanding about people can answer a lot of the questions that we have, that we depend on our on our institutions to answer for us and that we've kind of relied on these narratives that like there are people that are other and they're wrong and that it's okay to like step over them on the street when they're like lying on the street. Yeah, that is the main like point of the film is is really that our relationships can be transformational to us. I think it's it's a really good starting point to us like really developing like more wholeness and more fulfillment in our lives mm. and to answer the questions of safety and, and and those things those things have to be experienced collectively and built collectively adamu thank you so much i appreciate it thank you Adamu Chan is a documentary filmmaker. His film, What These Walls Won't Hold, premieres at the San Francisco Film Festival next weekend. Visit sffilm.org to buy tickets to the screening. There's one on Saturday, April 15th at CGV Cinemas in San Francisco and an encore screening on Sunday, April 16th at Banffa in Berkeley. To learn more about the film and Adamu Chan, visit whatthesewallswonthold.com. Thank you to King Kaufman for editing this episode and to you for listening. Mm-hmm.